Russell Crowe, for this edition of Witness History. No, my heart and my Welcome to the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman with you. Today on the panel, Labour MPs are in an urgent caucus this afternoon as the party tries to manage damage from the serious allegations being made by Labour MP Graal Sharma. The Prime Minister fronts the media at 4.30pm. We'll have the latest for you when it happens. Also today, illegal phone use while driving is high in the super city. A thousand drivers per day unlawfully using their phones behind the wheel. What are you seeing National will scrap the 39% top tax rate. It's an envy tax, says Nicola Willis at the National Party Conference. How does our top tax rate compare with rates overseas? We talk about that on the panel. And we cross live to the UK to take a look at Manchester United versus Brentford. We have one of the, uh, the chair of the Brentford Supporters Club. Just how did they do it? An extraordinary game of football. And I came across an item that wondered what a Gen Zer would make of some of the technologies that existed before they were born. So before the internet, how did you find places? Did you use a map? What is a collect call? Can anyone out there remember collect calls and party lines? Can you recall party lines? Uh, I've never, I've never done a party line, but I remember uh, accepting collect calls. Text me two one zero one. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Zaina Jalil, independent director, strategic advisor, inclusion advocate, and has several governance roles, uh, including board member for the Cancer Society. Zaina Kiora, welcome to the panel. Sure, well, it's great to be here. Good to have you on. Also, Simon Pound, he's a, a brand consultant at uh, a place called Previously Unavailable, also co-founder at Ingrid Starnes and Business is Boring podcast host for uh, the spin-off. Simon, welcome to the panel. Uh, kia ora, thanks for having me. All right, our wonderful guests are here. This first, this was very interesting. Have you ever heard of the term quiet quitting? It's a growing trend, apparently, among young people of prioritising their mental well-being by intentionally putting the minimum amount of effort into their work. It's come about as a response to growing pressure uh, from employers while staff aren't seeing any rewards, financial or otherwise, for their extra effort. Is this an appropriate way to separate your work life and personal life, or is just is this just slack? To discuss the trend, we're joined by Angela Lim, a paediatrics doctor, a CEO and co-founder of workplace wellbeing platform Clearhead. Uh, Angela was a finalist for the uh, Young New Zealander of the Year a few years back, also a finalist in the Science and Innovation category at the Women of Influence Awards 2021. And she joins us from Canada, I believe. Angela, welcome to the program. Kia everyone. How are we going? <laughs> very well, very, very well. All right, this notion, qu- quite quitting, have you heard of it? 
I, yes, I guess <laughs> I was part of the article. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that um, the the reality is whether we call it quiet quitting or otherwise, it's really a much more wider reflection of you know increasing burnout and and work life balance being prioritized for uh, my generation and younger, basically. Could it just be called laziness? <laughs> I think it's I mean, just come maybe. On, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is just you're just clickbaiting now. <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, I think that um, every generation have different values, and uh, every generation will compare themselves to the generation before, after. And I think the main thing is recognizing that as an employer, if you are uh, really wanting to manage the next generation, which is your largest workforce, which is your millennials and the one that is coming, your Gen Zs, is just recognizing that they will prioritize slightly different values to maybe uh, our the generations that our exist our current leaders are are from, and and having that empathy to understand that that means communicating um, and realigning values across the company to make sure that you can bring them along the journey with you. Right. Is this, we've got a panel as well, Angela. They'll have responses. Is this also a bit of a pushback amongst, say, uh, younger generations um, when uh, a company asks you to actually go above and beyond, to uh, give your or give 120% and then you realise you're sitting in bed at night and go, well, what the hell for? Not getting paid <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think that it's... Um it's not very common for most people to be paid over time, right? And so um, I think this whole notion around... So maybe if I take one step, I can say, look, I, I don't yeah. think the the accusation here is about saying that people are selfish or lazy. Yes. It's more just that um, because there is a labor shortage, because for, me, for a very long time we've prioritized profit over people, right. it means that there is a lot of that goodwill that we don't really account for. We just assume that people will work overtime as part of the job rather than truly accounting for the cost of, of goods sold, basically. And so, so from this perspective is that, you know, yes, if you're going through a tough time as a good employee, I'd be willing to do my bit to pull it through. But if this is consistent for the like last one year and it's all just rhetoric that you say that you'll bring in more capacity, et cetera, then, then, you know, I think people will start to see beyond um, the, the, the lip service and actually feel that they're not truly uh, valued and appropriately supported. Zaina, your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Can I just first say, uh, hi, Angela. Um, Hello. Great to be on the show with you. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, people's relationship with work is changing and has changed a lot uh, during, you know, COVID years and, and starting people starting to question, you know, why they work, what's the purpose, what, you know, what role does that serve and what's important. And in terms of um, Gen Z in particular, COVID hit right in the middle of some of the most influential years for, for that age group, right, when they're forming who they are, what they value as adults, you know, change the way people form friendships, how they receive education, how they got their first jobs and internships. And that's had a big impact on how how we view work, you know, how it can and should be done. And and so this concept, I think, while it's sort of being discussed in, in terms of 
young people in particular, I think if you sort of, you know, went around and did a survey, you'd find that a lot of people, regardless of their age, are thinking oh, about, yeah. you know, what they put into work, um, how they try and achieve work-life balance, or, you know, I always say it's never work-life balance, it's more work-life integration and how you sort of, you know, put those things together to make it work for yourself. Um, and I think we're seeing more of that. I mean, Angela, you've got people working with you who spend a whole range of different sort of, you know, uh, demographics, I would guess. So would you say that that's something that's only, um, you know, that you're noticing only with the younger people or are those trends uh, across the board? Yeah, so I think as um, <clears throat> as I mentioned that um, – the this is really a wider symptom to sort of the the increasing burnout that most organizations are experiencing mainly because of the tight labor market that we have been going through in the last one to two years um, and it's not that employers don't want to properly support their their people but um, they just can't find the the people they need and therefore more people are being asked to do more with less so so this is just a symptom of a wider um, macroeconomics uh, factor. But I think one, so, so, but I would sort of can suggest I, Actually, that- Angela, can I just bring uh, Simon in as well? Because we've got another panellist here uh, before we uh, end our time. Uh, hey, Angela. Hey, um, it's- Hello. Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's, Do um, we all know each other or something? Yeah, yeah that's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a big old- <laughs> okay. It's a big old people interested in, in work well-being kind of uh, chat off <laughs> here, like uh, you know, a, a big area of interest. I mean, if you look through history, all of the big um, advances for labour have come at times when there have been worker shortages and they've been able to redefine what it means to be a worker. And this labour shortage might just be getting people looking at that expectation of overtime uh, that's so often um, held in a wage and going, you know what? <laughs> no, you know, if you want me to do more than the 40 hours, then uh, pay me for it or make it work. And that feels like a real undercurrent in some of the stuff coming back in these um, figures. Okay. But a lot of the rest of the stuff about 20s people feeling a little bit less engaged and not wanting to yeah. do more than they have to feels like the most natural and normal thing for fair people enough. in their 20s it's in the world fair, to do. Fair enough point, Angela. Yeah, I think so. I think maybe to kind of make sure we wrap up on sort of the sentiment behind with all of this happening, what can employers do? So ultimately, really, the suggestion here is in the context of Gen Z, there, there are other factors for the different generations. But for in the context of Gen Z, the main thing is they want leaders that are valuing them, offering praise for the hard work, um, that they are doing outside of the standard hours, I guess, and creating that very positive workplace culture where, you know, that achievement is celebrated. They they don't necessarily go in with this intention that I'm just going to do the bare minimum because, you know, they're still very ambitious, but they want it to be, you know, like go beyond the lip service. Um, don't oversell me the role. Don't undervalue me. Don't underpay me. Uh, and it's just them sort of putting their foot down and calling the bullshit um, when they see it, right? And, and we see this across mm. not just... Um, uh, workplaces, but, you know, around issues around climate change, etc. So I think this generation is very exciting because they are willing to call out the stuff that maybe um, the generations no. before have just kind of not yep. done so. Fair enough, Angela, and thanks for being with us all the way from Canada. Kia ora. Uh, that's Angela Lim, a paediatrics doctor and a co-founder of a wellbeing platform, what's called Clearhead. All right, time for a slightly shortened I've been thinking this afternoon. Zaina Jalil, take it away. Uh, two things, Wallace, and I'll try and keep it really, really brief. So I was emceeing the Women in Governance Awards at Parliament about a week ago, and pretty much every award winner thanked her husband for supporting her to achieve all she had. 
Yeah. And it got me thinking that, you know, while we recognize the role that men play in our lives at the personal level, we don't always include them in gender equity efforts at work. Um, but research shows us that, you know, companies where men are actively involved in gender diversity initiatives report 96% progress compared to oh. only 30% for companies where they aren't. And that's because men still dominate leadership and governance and influence organizational culture and decide who gets a seat at the table. So we need all genders to be part of the solution uh, and, you know, can't only have half the party at the table. And secondly, moving on from half the table to something that has probably touched all of us in some way, um, quickly want to talk about cancer. So every day, 71 New Zealanders are diagnosed with cancer and most of us will have lost someone to cancer, know someone battling cancer. And next week, mm -hmm. the 26th of August, is the Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Street Appeal. So I'd encourage everyone that can to please donate. Uh, you can also donate via the Cancer Society website, cancer.org.nz. Um, so let's just do our bit Wonderful for each other. Thank you very much for that. We'll come back to that. That's, oh, gosh, that's quite a stat. 71 diagnosed every day. Okay, Simon Pound, I've been thinking. A little bit different. I uh, yeah. was wanting to recommend a book that will be not new to a lot of listeners as it came out in 1959, uh, but it's just one of the best things I've read in so long and so affecting. Uh, the book Endurance by Alfred Lansing, which is the story of the Shackleton expedition uh, and um, the the tremendously difficult um uh, path that they had from being trapped in the ice. And it became a bit topical last year when the um, vessel was found. Couldn't uh, get enough of it. The water. Oh, it's so fascinating. Oh, it's amazing. And the book is written in, you know, 1959 style kind of boy's own adventure, very stripped back uh, language, um, very understated. And uh, it leaves a lot for you to fill in. Um, fantastically written. The author, Alfred Lansing, he... Um, was a decorated Navy uh, sailor in World War II. And so the things he writes about difficulty of life at sea and as a sailor uh, are just so extraordinary. Uh, and, yeah, so it'll be something to revisit for a lot of people. But if you haven't uh, and you'd like an antidote to things that aren't lasting and um, something out of the, the news cycle in the modern times, just the most extraordinary story. What brought, what brought you to that book in particular? Trying to step out of, uh, you, you know, the, the things that are of the now and find some more lasting things. And I loved uh, Dame Anne Salmon's The Trial of the Cannibal Dog. And Paste, this is Paige Turner. Oh, amazing. Fantastic. And this is... Should be a film. Yeah, it re really, really mm. should. And this has a very similar, you know, wrapped up in all kinds of imperial difficulties and um, colonial aspirations, but just the most extraordinary adventure. Thank you, Zaina Jaleel, Simon Pound. Uh, I've been right at my feet with your recollections of collect calls. Uh, people say, are you there? Are you there? Hello, are you there? <laughs> Will you accept this? No. Yeah, exactly. And party lines, keep those coming. Text me at 2101. The panel, RNZ National.